episode 56 of Strange Brow Radio. How are you doing? My name's Tobe Johnson. I'll be your host. And today we have in our guest Alex Whitcomb. It's our monthly meetup where we saddle up and grab a pint and catch up on all the weird shit going on in our lives, including your lives and stories that we've collected. So that in a moment with Alex Whitcomb and man oh man I have to say thank you for a gift this guy sent me forget the sponsors let's sponsor Alex and go to Facebook go to Strange Brow Radio on Facebook and see the latest post that I put up of his his stuff Drifted Creations is the name of his studio check it out Drifted Creations I need I say more uh, a third eye Sasquatch made out of driftwood it'll blow your mind go check it out all right more in a second we'll be right back all right so as i said do check out this website drifted creations that's the name of the facebook page i don't think there's technically a full-on website but Alex will be on in a moment here, as you will well see, and I don't think he'll talk an inch about himself, but he should be, because he's the Michelangelo of Driftwood, and he does a lot more than Driftwood art. Uh, He's an amazing artist in general. He's got a keen eye. You should see the wicked stuff he's just doing with a sheet of paper and a pencil, and he's also currently doing a remote viewing class with me. And I don't know if we actually touch upon that in this phone call. But um, anyway, what I will say is that while we were talking, I was trying to work out of a new studio I'm setting up, which is really just the camper outside with a few egg cartons and uh, memory foam. Excuse me, pushed up against the wall. I literally just burped on air. And uh, anyway, it didn't work out so well. So Alex and I... um, have an interview in this new studio and uh, I'm going to make the old one work better because it's just way more reliable. It sounds better as you will plainly hear and in general we just want to make sure that the audio portion of this since it's a hearing experience is the best it can be and I know there's some uh, areas that I need to learn and uh, and I, I, I am so Trust me, we're getting it there, and uh, I appreciate you sticking with us as we get going with uh, 2020 here. So anyway, Alex and I are kicking back in this episode. He, I guess he has a whole different selection of ale that he can grab. Rather, uh, he likes malty, gross, dark beer. (laughs) And I I literally like... uh, what do I have in the fridge right now? I think I have a, a six-pack of Michelob Ultra. And uh, trying to drop a few. So maybe that'll help. Anyway, light beers. I know, not everybody's cup of tea, but tis mine. And uh, so that's uh, that's what we're going to try to do is uh, just enjoy yourself. Uh, sit back and, and have a, uh, a quick ale and talk about uh, ketchup, really. And so without further ado is my good friend Alex Whitcomb up in near Vancouver Island where it's freezing at the moment. All right, enjoy the show. All right, I am on the phone with 
Alex, how are you today, sir? I am well. Yourself, too? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to get in all the uh, exciting technical stuff going on here. But meanwhile, um, I will tell you that uh, we have a new tradition in hand. You are now putting the brew back in brow, which I totally appreciate. And I went to the uh, refrigerator and Aaron had smuggled away an Iron Horse Brewery selection here. So I don't think that I broke this out last time. Um, I don't believe so. It might have been easy for me to do since this is a go-to beer in our fridge, but... We're sucking back some yellow snow left. (laughs) Right, right. That's (laughs) that's such a kinky podcaster you got on the other end here, I know. But um, (laughs) it's not going to get any better. I am... uh, Holding Quilter's Irish Death, the Iron Horse Brewing Company's Dark Smooth Ale. Um, it goes on and on about the, uh, well, it's got a pretty high alcohol percentage point on here. And um, so, yeah, this is made in Ellensburg, Washington. That is home of uh, the great Bob Gimlin, who's right outside of Yakima and Ellensburg. And so without further ado... I'll take a swallow, and then you can uh, tell folks what you've got here. But I'll give you my initial test. Mm. Yeah, boy. You know, it's another beer I don't exactly love, and it's yeah, it's the it's the Irish. Well, it's a dark, smooth ale, so you can imagine it's a skunky, hoppy uh, man. I feel like a little child that just wants a little glass uh, in a Dixie cup of Kool-Aid after I taste something like that. Irish Irish too, so they probably threw some potatoes in there. Yeah, there probably is a couple of potatoes and shamrocks. And it actually, it does have a Celtic cross and a skull and bones. So they're, um, yeah, they're taking their their emblem seriously. So what do you got? Okay, well, uh, I had to pick up another... uh, Driftwood uh, Brewery uh, beer that's out of Victoria, British Columbia. Um, this one kind of leapt off the shelf at me. I don't usually look at the bottled beers. I was looking at canned last time, but this one is called Crooked Coast. It's an alt beer, and the imagery just like popped right out. It was these three dark hooded figures in the background with horns. Um, this gnarly twisted blue tree and I turn the bottle around and there is pan beautiful interpretation of pan all in teals and and red oranges so just had to get that one so let's pop it open here (laughs) now I noticed you're not pouring yours into a glass or i know yeah (laughs) yeah i thought about pouring it into a glass and i said you know it'd be a a dish that i have to carry outside of the camper back to the main house and so i was like screw it i'm going full can not interested in the clarity and the color (laughs) (laughs) nice nice bit of lees on this one beautiful beautiful yeah orange color on that all right let's hear that pour oh, oh my gosh you're gonna make everybody have to go to the bathroom if you pour it too high <laughs> nice clear hops on the nose on the nose <laughs> mm. 
Wow. Oh, interesting. I thought I thought it was going to be more. I don't know. Effervescent, sparkly. Mm. No. Smooth. Yeah. All right. Mm. Uh, that's actually. I thought it was going to be a lot, a uh, lot punchier. But I really like that. That is smooth. Okay. Is that? Uh, is that? Well, yeah. What do you give it? Like yeah. a a one to ten? Where are you at? Uh, I'm probably seven and a half, eight on that. That's Damn. Good. No, that's a damn fine beer, and you know, you know me, I'm a, I'm a, you know, typical lager pilsner drinker. Yeah, but uh, I guess the smoothness is really jiving with me. <laughs> yeah, nice. Mm. Well, I tell you what, um, you you brought up some things uh, the last couple of days regarding things that you wanted to get to, but um, while you're sucking down that beer, I gotta. Uh, talk to you about what's going on down the street because you know when I moved up here I had heard that there was a sanitarium not too far less than five minutes from the house and uh, it was all defunct it was torn down but it was a relatively well-known case of uh, medicine gone awry and periodically, we'd bring up the subject again. There's a place down the street called Owls, and you know, you go down there to get your propane, or you go get a pint of beer and watch the tide come in and the Puget Sound. And it overlooks Maury Island. If anybody knows about the Maury Island incident, then they would know a little bit about where I'm talking. But there is uh, a rather uh, gaining interest on my behalf to learn more about this woman that ran the sanitarium and her name was Linda Hazard. And she ran what is known as Starvation Heights. Now there uh, has, of course, since the, you know, the early 1900s been loads of newspaper articles about this woman and her practice of care, but she might be the most notorious serial killer in the Pacific Northwest, um, there there are numbers that I've heard from, in particular, Greg Olson, the author of Starvation Heights, that over forty to fifty people uh, were killed under her care, and her mode of killing was starving people. And so the name of this place was eventually Starvation Heights. When she opened it up, though, it was called the Wilderness Sanitarium of Olala. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that because Starvation Heights didn't sound like a very good <laughs> right. sanitarium name to right. start off with. Yeah, she would take out newspapers and eventually uh, she opened this place up. And her whole uh, concept was she studied under this guy named Dr. Ed Hooker Dewey back in the turn of the century of the 1900s. And she didn't get her degree, never became a physician of any sort, but this Dr. Dewey basically um, taught her that starvation and fasting were the key to healing, and it could heal anything that ailed you. And so um, while she was a mother and recently married, she studied under this guy, and then she uh, moved to Minneapolis, and uh, that's when she started to practice her care of fasting and testing it out on people. Now, one of the first guys that she tested it out on was uh, about the year, I think it was 1902. And um, 
we're not quite sure how this guy, how quickly this guy died due to fasting, but most of the time it seemed that uh, she would give out very little food to these people. And the only food that they would ever, ever really receive was just soup, you know, very watered down uh, tomato soup or broth or asparagus soups. And asparagus soup. Asparagus <laughs> soup. So yeah, she uh, she went to town and um, she started her killing spree uh, soon after that first kill by moving from Minneapolis to Washington. And that's where she went. She went about five minutes down the road from where I am, opened a sanitarium called the Wilderness Sanitarium. And for a period of about 20 years uh, or well, probably more like 15 years, she killed about 50 people um, due oh, to yeah. starving them. And uh, she'd get all their money, she'd get all of their jewels, she'd get them, uh, you know, all their property rights, their um, their last will and testament, because they basically became delirious. And she uh, had talked herself into kind of being this cult leader of this cure-all, you know, the, the snake, oil, snake oil of snake oil. So Linda, yeah, Linda, Linda Hazard, and she, um, she, ended, she ended up trying to cure these two sisters. They were British, uh, wealthy British sisters that came. They heard about Linda's method, and for whatever was going on with them, they thought they'd come to Olala and get healed by her. And so you have to imagine how crazy this must have been. You're, you're talking about an island basically i mean we're out here on a peninsula but it's all oh. it's it's all woods it's deep in the forest <laughs> movie man uh, oh my gosh yeah it's oh. it's totally crazy is she uh she, she's gonna starve these two sisters to try to cure them but when she found out what kind of wealth they had she basically starved them to go after their wealth and one ends up dying um, after she moves her from the Santa. She moves both of them into her house and hides them in the attic while they're both at like 60 or 50 pounds. And they're oh, too God. skinny to run away, but they cable out a message down to Portland, Oregon. One of the sisters does. And they're like, we can't move. We're about ready to die. And um, one ends up escaping. The other one dies in her custody. And uh, the gal gets two to 20 years for a homicide and she only does 18 months and gets out on good behavior moves to new zealand and stays to stay, stays in new zealand while her new husband is running the sanitarium with her kids that she had with them and then she comes back five years later and starts doing it all over again Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Well, and you haven't you hadn't heard of this? Story OK, well, I had. But, you know, the, the details just kind of slipped by me because there's so much to see and do out here. And I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, less than a year in. And I'm curious about a, a, a lot of this stuff. I mean, living in a, a Sasquatch UFO hotspot, we're kind of right at the the tip of the iceberg of things to do. But. Mm -hmm. That there's a lot going on out here too, according to uh, this property, which is her house has not been torn down, and it was, uh, you know, built in the 1920s, and uh, it's incredibly haunted. 
and there's a, an ad adjacent property that's built right in front of it. So <laughs> this is just literally three minutes down the street. So oh, it's wild. Oh, it's totally wild. To, to figure that out, it's just like, you must have like walked past it like so many times <laughs> and driven past it. And well, yeah. I, I feel slightly, slightly stupid that, you know, <laughs> here, I, here I am doing a podcast about uh, some of this crazier stuff here. And um, yeah, this is right down the street. So I put in a message to the homeowners that live on Hazard's property because yeah. she still haunts the place, and so do the patients. Some of the EVPs, I wish I had queued up here. Maybe I'll put them in post. Did, but did, uh, uh, did Hazard die there? She did. In fact, she okay. uh, she was ailing from pneumonia, and she said her final words were that. Uh, well, let me read you some of her her. I'll read yeah. you some of her words here along the way. Let me see if I can cue those up here. Um, okay. Well, this is after she got busted for trying to kill somebody, and this was her response to the authorities. So I'll try to speak like Linda did. Um, I had no oh when she was questioned because she was never a doctor, she had no pedigree, and so when they questioned her, and when she would basically get off and let go, especially the first one that she did in Minneapolis. Why can't I say Minneapolis? Um, she, uh, when asked if she had any degrees, she basically, you know, couldn't, could not show any degrees. And uh, so they basically let her go because they couldn't convict her for the fact that she wasn't a doctor doing malpractice, something really bizarre like that. Like you would think that oh, that's bizarre. killing yeah. someone is killing someone, but since she couldn't really practice medicine, she was only basically living vicariously through this doctor. So her, her, one of her statements was, I have no diplomas, said Miss Hazard, scornfully, and I need none. It's not necessary for me to decorate my office with bombastic documents telling where I graduated, how I graduated. Drugs are all humbug, and doctors who prescribe them are all frauds. The fast cure is the only natural one, and in the case of Miss Wilcox, it was only means I knew to save her life. She was doomed to die. Her stomach was in such a condition that it was impossible for her to assimilate the smallest particle of food. So I did the only intelligent thing I could do, treat her by fasting. <laughs> oh. wow. Yeah. Well, I guess if your ailment is life, um, starvation sounds like a pretty good cure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. But like, that's okay. This is this is interesting that you bring this up because I had been looking into not not so much a similar um, uh, like a uh, uh, serial killer say, uh, case, but uh, I I was just flipping through random articles and uh, there's this weird cult leader called Brother Twelve. That's uh, that's located nearby down in Nanaimo, and he was on an island, and he had this whole cult, and oh, it was, yeah. Anyways, I won't go into that, but like, continue on. Well, no, now I want to hear about Nanaimo. Or what's the name of the island? <laughs> uh, let me look it up. Hang on. Okay. I got the wiki right here. All right, because we got an. Uh, if you said Nanaimo, that's gonna make me hungry. That's uh, like a <laughs> Reese's peanut butter bar. Uh, 
Okay, yeah, Nanaimo. Um, mm -hmm. where, did end, where did he end up here? Um, that must be, uh, are we talking early 1900s again kind of deal? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, his name was um, Ed, Edward Arthur Wilson, better known as Brother 12, was an English mystic who in the late 1920s founded a spiritual community located just south of the city of Nanaimo on Vancouver Island. Um, he was born in England. He later claimed that during his childhood, he was visited by angels. Um, <clears throat> he attracted a devoted following, including a group of wealthy and socially prominent individuals. Having taken the name Brother 12, he established the Aquarian Foundation in 1927, and his beliefs, his group's beliefs, were basically based largely upon the teachings of this theosophical, theosophical society. Okay, okay. Yeah, now, th yeah. that's interesting that you said theosophical society. Uh, the that theosophical. Is, uh, theosophical, <laughs> yeah. They, uh, that is mentioned as well in really? some, some articles with her. No and, way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So... Um, that might be something we need to look into what exactly is uh, going on. You know, they had so many um, interesting little secret schools uh, that they were initiated into back then. And um, that must have been one of them. I don't know if that still exists or not. But uh, in the case of um, Linda Burfield Hazard, uh, she ended up being a mother of four. You know, the, the first marriage she had when she uh, was basically trying to go to medical school and didn't make it for whatever reason. And then she quickly got divorced and left her two kids behind with her first husband and uh, meets this guy uh, who was a bit of a little bit swindler himself, a guy by the name of Sam Christian Hazard. So she goes by Linda Butterfield Hauser at the time. And uh, after she marries this scoundrel who's a known drunk, they both basically go into cahoots to try to figure out how to build people of their wealth. And it was by means of starving them to death under the name of this miracle killer, a cure of fasting. So wow. uh, supposedly, there's still bones uh, being found coming down the gulch. The gulch was near where the crematorium was that she had built, but like a fireplace, you know, needs to be cleaned out once in a while and all the ashes yeah. and soot need to be dumped somewhere. I'm sure there was bits and pieces that never got incinerated. And yeah. if they were dumped yeah. into the gulch, they were washed down into the stream near the Puget Sound, right down from our house. And uh, oh, wow. so who knows uh, what will yeah. happen here, but I think this deserves a special uh, attention on my part to get up there with a camera. And if I can get an interview with the property owners that still live on the property where Linda's house was, I'll, I'll definitely go there and do that. But that's what I'm working on. So didn't you say there were, did you say there was some uh, EVPs? Yeah. So um, back in the 90s, uh, after this uh, author wrote this book, Starvation Heights, uh, Gregory Olson, he goes on the local Seattle news here and sits down 
you know, for the better part of a year promoting his book. And one of the news teams hired a paranormal team to go inside Hazard's old place and do some ghost work. And they caught some orbs and they caught some shadowy stuff, but the EVPs were pretty good. One of the EVPs that came up was a very clear dig us up, which I thought was a really creepy, very creepy EVP, right? Yeah. And then the, uh, the wife, uh, that lives in the house with her husband and their two kids uh, who's still still in that house by the way uh describes seeing a white and black cloud uh come through their living room now why would that be well maybe all the land is haunted with bodies strewn out but one of the things that they did when they moved in there and built a new house was they they took the uh stairwell uh, from her house and put it in their house. So there's bits and pieces of Linda's old house, you know, built right. into uh, their home. So right. interesting bit of property. And I took some photographs of it. So I'll, I'll put those up uh, with this podcast too. So people can at least see what I'm talking about as far as shabby digs, because it's pretty shabby looking. Well, this is going to be interesting if you're uh, you're allowed access to this. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, there's this whole culture of guys that, uh, you know, are sneaking into abandoned properties. Now, there's some abandoned yeah. properties around here that they have for sale signs on them, and they're just abandoned. And there's no hours listed on when you can go look at these properties. But um, yeah. I'm, I know that there's one really close to this particular site that uh, caught my eye and uh, I roamed around there a couple weeks ago with Aaron in the middle of the day just to take a look because this old farmer used to live there and it's a two-story 1940s farmhouse and it's just got you know it had all the potential for a really awesome remodel I'm sure but now you walk in there and it looks like it's been halfway torched and there's uh, bright mm. green, green and pink pentagrams, and six, 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 and hail Satan everywhere. <laughs> oh, how predictable! Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe people still do that stuff. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Uh, so you you have a you have an attraction to obviously to abandoned places like me. Like I've always just been like so fascinated with abandoned places. Yeah, well, what do you, can can you think of one in particular that uh, you went to or that uh, you still go to? Uh, uh, yeah, there used there used to be this old uh, cement factory right behind mm-hmm. Bushart Gardens. Um, I don't know if you're uh, you know Bushart Gardens is pretty oh, famous, right? Right in Victoria. Yeah, in Victoria, in Brentwood Bay there. Uh, the whole place used to be a quarry uh, and a cement factory. And uh, me and my buddies as uh, teenagers used to uh, go into the abandoned uh, cement factory. Oh, we're so lucky we didn't like kill ourselves. Or <laughs> There was this shaft that went seven stories up. So it was a four by four shaft. I guess they used it for like, you know, lowering and, and raising goods or whatever. And we used to like climb up on the steel cable that went through the shaft up seven stories 
and and uh, get to the top of the top of the cement uh, factory there. Uh, wow, oh, just it's such a cool place. Um, huge old smokestacks as well, like 150 feet high. They still you could access them, and they had the ladders like all the way up in the interior. Um, I never I never climbed up that, but uh, yeah, it, they did tear it down, which was you know um, uh, a, a logical thing to do, a smart thing to do. Um, but it, I had I had so much fun exploring those places. Oh my god! Well, I didn't and, know and, that. And doing graffiti. And graffiti, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You're there, uh, drawing your own version of a pentagram. Yeah, I was really back mm. into uh, Back to the Future at the time, so I was uh, <laughs> a lot of Back to the Future graffiti. <laughs> oh my god! Did they have Kilroy back then? Do you know what that is? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I know. Kilroy. Okay, okay. Um, I'm pr I'm fairly sure I did a uh, few Kilroys. Kilroy was a big one, and that kind of looked like a uh, yeah, it looked like a middle finger dripping down mm -hmm. over a fence. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. And then of course the giant penis. I mean, you got to tie the giant oh, yeah. the, the giant dong spray painted on the side of a building <laughs> is like there's one in every graffitied house. It's just who's got the best dong. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. never they're never anatomically totally correct, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it takes a lot to really do that that good of a job. I'm very impressed with that man. Uh, <laughs> he's he's a, he is a hero in my eyes. Um, uh, I can't remember what city it is, but they would never fix the potholes, huge potholes everywhere. So what he did was just take a spray can and just like did giant penises around the potholes. And the city had, the city had to fix them then. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> my God. I love that kind of, I, uh, yeah. I should do a giant penis around my school debt. <laughs> 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 how could i do that i'm gonna have to figure out a way to digitally yeah put digitally a, yeah. yeah there you yeah. go hmm. <laughs> if someone can call me and find out a way to do that that'd be great shoot me an email at uh strangebrowradio at gmail.com and you can have that job i'll give you a, a free t-shirt oh speaking of t-shirts uh <laughs> we got we got t-shirts up now so if anybody has been longing to have, these are actually high quality t-shirts according to Teespring. Uh, I haven't uh, I haven't purchased one myself yet, but I can't imagine that they're gonna be- You don't have uh, your own gear yet? Well, I have my old gear, but I don't have the new oh. gear. So we made some, uh, we made some t-shirts and in the back of the t-shirts, uh, there's a couple slogans, including I'll see you in the trees and I was normal till I got here. And then we did some hoodies and we did a couple stickers. So all those things, people want some gear, they can find those at, uh, we can go to strangebrowradio.com and there's a merchandise uh, tag up at the top and you just click that through. And then all that will go back into the the podcast here. So that part- uh, get me a new hoodie. A new hoodie. Yeah, we put the uh, pineal yeah. Sasquatch head on the hoodies without the strange brow logo, but just the giant Sasquatch head, which I thought was cool to do. So, nice. are they zip yeah. up or uh... no zip up? No, these are just pullover okay. hoodies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
they have kind of a weird thing on Teespring where you can't really do all that much merchandise until you sell merchandise. So I want to do I want to do beanies and hats. Well, they won't let me do beanies and hats until we sell a certain amount, and then we can add to our inventory. So I think there's socks. There's a coffee mug that says no Kool-Aid on the back of it. And then there's uh, some hoodies and some long sleeve shirts and uh, t-shirts. So as, as soon as we sell enough, I don't know what that number is. Then we can add more merch, but I'd kind of like to get a baseball hat or a, a beanie up that way. Yeah. Can I get a beanie with the little propeller on it? Yeah, of course you can. Then I'll take <laughs> you, take you to the sanitarium for some asparagus soup. <laughs> <laughs> i'll drop you off on the beautiful island at the wilderness sanitarium yeah. you know that sounds very nice actually asparagus. it does and you know yeah. she has she has the look like you know how most women in the 1900s just have that stone face killer look anyway yeah 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 she's gotta, got i gotta look her up right now i want to see i want to see oh yeah in fact i hazard look looks like oh yeah if anybody's near their computer when they hear oh, this oh it's spelt with like two z's too yeah oh yeah or two z's in America. Mm -hmm. now it's reportedly crazy. there's a uh, hidden cemetery uh where the uh crematorium was stashed and i think that part of the crematorium is still up there but there's oh. supposedly some unmarked graves of children that she got a hold of and one of those children she got a hold of is a part of the ivers legacy i don't know if you have ivers up in canada but ivers is the fish and chips hot spot in the northwest well there almost oh. was no fish and chips to be found because um the mother of the founder of ivers mr iver we'll call him um i believe his first name was iver uh, actually got a treatment from Hazard and was killed. And the she, you know, had a three-year-old son that uh, he basically was a motherless child. And hmm. his father defended Hazard, even though she, his wife was basically killed by her. So there's, uh, I guess there's a little bit of trivia for people that have followed along with the case. But yeah, pretty wild stuff. Wow, she looks. Uh, Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, she does. I know, yeah, I know. I mean, there's various pictures of her. Yeah, yeah. The one where she's younger and kind of doing this Princess Leia pose is like, okay, well, yeah, you know. But the the older pics are mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah, stone face creep. Holy crap! Yeah. Oh boy. Now around these woods, uh, less than. Uh, half a mile from us are the reports of someone. Uh, we have a couple of ghosts that wander around the woods here. Now, I've not seen them, but one of them is a tall, bald man that roams one of the gravel roads near our house. And he just oh, kind of. That was just me. I was trying to find your house. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> you had a can of spray paint in your hand. I know what you're up to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to take care of your school debt, geez. Oh. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but that's the only ghost story I've heard about this tall, bald dude. But um, I don't know, man. Things have been kind of mm. kind of bonkers here at the house. Uh, you've had some activity too, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, not much, not as much as you ever. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I've been having uh, 
my little gifting stump with this little orange rubber ball that uh, I put out uh, in okay. the woods there. It keeps getting moved. And, you know, I'm just like, it's one of those things. Oh, okay, yeah, squirrels, ravens, yeah. Mm. But I just keep putting it back and it just keeps popping out. <laughs> and I keep putting it back deeper. I push it down, push it down deeper, and it still keeps getting just popped out. The last time it just like, it was placed like just an inch just out of the out of the little divot that I pushed it in and right towards right right next to the little white stone. So I don't know what that is. Yeah. 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 I, I did send you the pics pics of that, but uh like it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what kind of ball is that? Is it a rubber ball? Yeah, it's just a little mm. orange rubber ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of looked, like the... looked like a little egg, so I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, I found it on the property, and okay. oh, that's this might be a good little mm-hmm. thing. Thing, so yeah, yeah. And what about you? Like you had some things going on. Yeah, what was that curtain thing. I never, I never got the, I never got the curtain thing. Well, I don't really know what to make of it, other than the fact that uh, it's, it seems to be kind of the trickster element at play inside, but the. Um, the cabin we live in doesn't have any doors really except the bathroom door and the front and the back door. There's no doors between a small cabin. It's all vaulted ceilings and open space because that's what you want to do when you live in a small cabin. And so there's a bedroom and between the bedroom is a pole curtain. And it's just a twill curtain on a drift. It's kind of like a driftwood curtain rod that, uh, has a kind of a folkish look and so that's that's mounted to the top of the doorway where there is no door and it's on a curtain rod and then this little khaki colored curtain is tied with a rope around it in the middle of the curtain it's just a khaki colored rope now about a month and a half ago two months ago i we're walking out. Actually, I'm at work and Aaron's walking out through the door and she sees on the top of the rope, which is cinched in the middle of the curtain to the right of the hallway, pushed to the right of the curtain rod, was a bay leaf stuck on top of the rope. Well, bay leaves are in the, med- in the uh, spice cabinet you know, inside a little glass jar, but there's no bay leaves flying around the house. And it was just simply stuck in the middle of the rope on top of it there. Now I've seen that before outside as well. You'll see pieces of salal that have been pulled off and stuck on top of wood watchers, you know, the things that, that I make and they stick them on top of the heads. So I thought that was pretty curious. Inside there was a bay leaf sticking on top of a rope that belonged in a glass jar about 20 feet away around a corner. But uh, the other day, you know, I get to getting up to go to work around four in the morning and get done blow drying my hair, washing my hair. And as I'm walking out of the bathroom, the house is all dark and the curtain has been pulled shut between the bathroom and the bedroom. Now there's only one person that could have undone that rope and pulled the curtain closed. And that was Aaron, but she was fast asleep. And uh, I went in there to tell her I was going to work. And I assumed 
that maybe she got up when I was in the bathroom and pulled it closed and didn't tell me. Maybe I was mm. too loud or I had a light on. That's why we have the curtain there. But uh, when I said, I'm sorry, I if I was too loud or I had a light on, she goes, what are you talking about? I said, you closed the curtain. And that's when we looked at each other like we always do and go, yeah, okay, here we go. Oh, the others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as an immediate throwdown to that, we noticed immediately that uh, outside there was one of these cedar balls again that had been taken out of a locked drawer and thrown outside in the middle of the yard, in the backyard. And wh whatever's going on with these cedar balls, I don't know, but it's got to be like the fifth time in the last nine months that one has been unsecured and taken out of the house or from some enclosed locked space and pitched right where we can see it out of our bedroom window. Yeah, so, they sure like those cedar balls. Yeah, I don't know what it is. So that was it. That's that's what's going on here. So I don't oh, know, that man. Little, what was that little coin thing, too? Oh, yeah. Um, so like a dog tag or something? No, if you go to a place like Hobby Lobby or some craft store, you can find jewelry making stuff. You know, they oh, have yeah. like all sorts of little knickknacks that you can make jewels with. And this one was like a Roman coin looking one, including right. like a little green patina. Yeah. Well, in an area where we'd been left something before, I grabbed one of these little crafter coins. And I said, well, I'm just going to set it here outside where we found this one unique gift that we absolutely didn't leave. And nothing had happened, nothing had happened, maybe four weeks had gone by. And then I come out the other day and it's sitting horizontally about three quarters deep in the you know, pine needles. Like it was halfway buried vertically up. So just the tip was facing up. So it was laying flat before. Now it was kind of dove in, you know, dug into the, the the foliage a little bit so i don't know uh, anything could have done that i don't i don't necessarily yeah. think anything more than just like well it's a unique place to do that and it's a unique thing to do to it mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean anything to me it just i just keep tabs of this stuff you just you just keep tabs and keep recording it's like the orange ball like okay well yeah yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. it was such a subtle movement, you know, mm -hmm. like it's just moved a little bit out of the depression upwards right. and just set by the set by the little white little white rock. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, okay, I don't, I'll just record it. <laughs> right, and this stuff means uh, a lot more than I thought. You know, after we talk about these particular weird things about cedar balls and rubber balls and bay leaves you never know who's listening or what it's going to mean but um i was contacted by a gal on the east coast who's a financial broker and I'll, i think i'll air her interview this week she um she heard our conversations about little things like this and it meant something to her she, she's not a uh, into the paranormal at all uh she mm -hmm. was she's interested in it the way most Americans are from arms reach by watching TV about the stuff. But um, she is starting to find weird stuff while she's taking her dog on the walk. And it was only listening to the likes of these kind of conversations that you and I are having now, where it's just like, 
I, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe these are things that I should watch out for. And so she started watching out for him and it's got pretty weird. Yeah, and okay. so, uh, yeah, she was excited. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, and like how much stuff, like there was a point where I wasn't aware of this and, you know, I wouldn't really take notice of these things in my life. And how, how, how many things popped in and, and were these weird little, you know, objects that showed up out of nowhere. And I didn't even notice because I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't in, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's part of the game to see how close you can pay attention and what that and let's say it's an initiation. And mm. and I use the word grooming, but I think I'm not going to use the word grooming anymore as it relates to the par <laughs> paranormal communicating with you because it's just too many images of, you know, Michael Jackson or something like that. So <laughs> I would just say that they're working with you. Um, right. Yeah, we're working with you. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I It's hard for me not to want to add my own theory on that, but I really do try to step away and say, well, I can't have an opinion about this at all. All I know is that this is unique. I don't know who did it. It's so unique that I think something with hands did it and something watching yeah. me did it. But does that mean I don't have like a, you know, some kind of stalker? I can't prove that. And that's what I was talking to this woman about. It's just like, well, you have to rule out stalker or weirdo, you know, someone that has been watching you. So you got to find a way to rule out weirdo, which is yeah. exactly what we tried to do at the, the property and Cottage Grove is we have to rule out all the neighbors. We have to really find a way to catch them. If they're the ones doing this, then we need to find a way to do it. And we just, well, you know how it goes. Yeah, it's, see, it's, I, was, I was curious about that earlier. I was like, okay, well, yeah, you've got all this uh, activity going on there. And like, okay, well, who's to say it's not some, <laughs> uh, you know, total fanboy or fangirl of strange brow going, oh mm -hmm. you know <laughs> nice invitation um you know and i well and the way we knew is because it would happen all day all night and who's got that kind of time and yeah. who's and who's quick enough and who can avoid flair who can avoid you know uh all the initial things we did and then the uh, sheer amount of supernatural stuff that started to occur just yeah. over overwhelmed the rational side of things so the irrational part of the supernatural was becoming the rational part and saying it yep. was a stalker mm. was becoming super irrational and yep. it would have been crazier for us to say this is somebody hoaxing us at a certain point we're just like now we would be nuts for thinking this is just a person yeah yeah um that's that's i had to go through that whole thing with my hope experience with the apples yeah right? like i i went through that i went through that whole litany that whole list okay, mm. okay. you know could it have been a person okay let's do the person thing like um no, I, it just it just makes no sense for for mm -hmm. someone to do that 
and they were so quick and so silent and and it and it turned out so weird mm-hmm. like with the, with the whole two apples on a stick thing you know and i was just there and you know at that spot and then it showed up and mm-hmm. yeah so i i ended up like ruling it out especially you know considering we went back and had those other experiences that kind of backed it up as a as a paranormal thing mm-hmm yeah and you guys didn't go you didn't go out there to find anything supernatural did you oh in the first first part no yeah no we just we were looking for a place to camp just to rest Mm -hmm. for the night so we could uh split the trip up in two and uh yeah that weird witchy witchy woman you know that sent us out there and then the apples and yeah yeah. Yeah. no when i heard your story it's just so nice to have somebody that can understand how, how profoundly two apples on a stick uh, <laughs> can be, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good to have people like in your in your in your camp there that mm-hmm. like understand this. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the equivalent of a burning bush. Uh, you know, it's the same kind of you know, just like, what do you mean the bushes catch on fire? Well, yeah, this this, this burning bush was unique. Uh, so I can kind of understand how these things could be interpreted through time. You know, you in the yeah. old days in scripture, you would have been a prophet that saw the apples on a stick. Oh, 2,000 <laughs> years in the future, man. Right, you, right. Better, you better get on this right now because it's right, huge. Right. <laughs> Alex's apples. carameled apples. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the two apples on a stick uh-huh. religion. <laughs> right <laughs> i can I don't know see where it. it's going i don't know where it's going but i right. get my own my own uh, island and i'm i'm getting a bunch of followers <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah. no oh, starvation yeah. though no starvation though we're all about food <clears throat> now i uh i enjoyed uh talking to melissa about her look into cults and uh her uh, dealings with uh, cults that were threatening her so yeah. that that's pretty interesting i i've heard that before from people with scientology that uh, if you mess with scientology they'll they'll come at you with both barrels loaded but um oh yeah and the black suvs yeah oh, okay they got black suvs yeah. huh oh yeah okay yeah so what do you you've been looking into something else too you and i were talking about time distortions and talking about uh how it relates to seeing things that uh, you know shouldn't be there oh well like going back to the cement factory and me you know tagging the cement walls with back to the future stuff like i've always been uh interested in time travel movies that was the first time travel movie that i was just like blown away with as a kid oh my god Oh, like especially back to the future too when they go in the future like uh what was i like 13 14 years old and i was like i gotta have a pair of those light up light lacing shoes i do so i 14 years old i actually wrecked my new shoes and put lights in them and, <laughs> and made li- i i did i put a little lacing thing oh fuck i was so proud walking around you know walking the dog at night and and just like uh, I've got light up shoes. <laughs> Anyways, so I've always been interested in time travel, especially, you know, time travel concepts, movies, media. 
Um, that's the thing that I kind of soak up first. And um, yeah, over the last two years, I've been hearing some quote unquote ghost accounts that don't really sound like ghost accounts. Like they sound like this, uh, how do I explain it? This, I don't know, like uh, a bleed over from one time in the future or present to the past, vice versa. Um, there's some pretty good accounts out there where, and you had your, um, what was that? Uh, a couple of interviews ago, uh, uh, the the woman that worked in the hospital. The woman that worked in the hospital. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That also worked at uh, a really well known haunted spot up north in the yeah. town of Cedro Woolley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. One of one of your one of your questions was like, okay, well, you saw this ghost, right? And do you think it saw you as a ghost, like back in its time, when maybe it was like alive? it saw you as a ghost and i've been i've been like so fascinated with that concept of uh how how time may be just like well we know it's not linear um and it, like but these bleed over events i mean I, i've had some weird time related experiences in my life um that have that have bolstered my interest in this and I, I just, I, I want to look further into it and, and see if cases, some, you know, well-known ghost cases can be mm -hmm. kind of uh, attributed to uh, the, this, this bleed, bleed through effect of time. Yeah, how would we test it? Come on, Brainiac, how do we test it? <laughs> how do we test it? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to think. I, I probably need another beer for that. <laughs> there you go. That's it. The alt beer is almost done. So. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You know, deja vu is weird enough. Yeah. But uh, it's it almost seems like a form of poltergeist deja vu. Some of these cases of people saying that they look just as freaked out to see me as I yeah. was them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So and, what was and, that? And that's, and that's the cases that I really like glom onto about. Yeah. That. Like, like the ghost was surprised. They're like, "Whoa, what the hell?" Right. Right. You know, and yeah. uh, whether the guy at Stardust Ranch, uh, I don't know if anybody's familiar with that case, but yet yeah, it's another skin twin, and he describes sitting in his living room seeing R Roman soldiers walk past that's, him. That's one of the ones, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I remember hearing that. I couldn't peg it. Uh, I couldn't remember which mm -hmm. uh, where it was from, but Stardust Ranch. Yeah. 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 And are they walking through like the basement or something and their knees are in the concrete? Or? Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a little bit of Philadelphia experiment sounding, but yeah, that I can go for that if they're doing it. Yeah. That might, that might've been another account, but mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating to think of, and what would cause it, how to measure it, uh, mm -hmm. things that maybe we could do differently looking into the paranormal. For example, you know, people are out looking for cryptids. They never take Ghostbuster equipment with them. Well, now they're starting to, which I think is fascinating. You know, you see it a little bit more and more in 
uh, commercial media, they're hinting at it. Certainly, if you're watching Travel Channel, you can see them leaning towards the fact that they're looking into the poltergeist phenomena. So whatever's going on um, doesn't exactly love you measuring it. It seems to want to communicate with you, but uh, yeah, as far as having it repeat, I, I just don't know how that's happened before. But oh, the, the re <clears throat> yeah, the repeating thing is not uh, it's not a thing that apparently they like. Right, but we don't even know if we have EMF spikes when we have a Sasquatch sighting, or when we see orbs or wood knocks out in the woods. Right, I don't have any right. data. We're not we're not bringing that equipment, right? Well, I brought. Uh, the uh, the the EMF detector to before to see if there was any kind of anomalies during uh, on you know tree structures or what I assumed to be yeah. tree structures of any kind. The only thing we walked away with was that uh, one of the tree structures that we found, which was actually found by some really cool guys from Bend, Oregon, and I'm forgetting Randy Sylvie is the guy's name, and he runs a Bigfoot uh, meetup kind of like uh, I do out at the castle and he does it in a, a pizza restaurant in Bend, Oregon. He, he and his buddies found, um, when we invited him out to Cottage Grove, Oregon, they found a large tree structure. And it was pretty darn impressive. And we had no idea. I mean, you had to kind of really walk down and want to find this thing. And somehow they did. And uh, we put a compass on it. And the compass especially on the main frame of the structure is pointed exactly at zero. And there really was no arguing with it. It was just like, this is totally due zero. It's zeroing mm -hmm. out the compass. So we followed it directly at the zero point and just kept on shooting an azimuth. And I think that's what it's called when you're using a compass that way. And uh, we came, and the only thing we could find that was of interest was a waterfall. Now, was that pointing to, I don't really think that anybody, you know, in the Sasquatch world needs to build tree structures to find a waterfall that's less than a quarter of a mile away. I just don't think they need yeah, it, but yeah. um, who knows? I, I don't know. But yeah, I think more of us, you know, need to bring out some of the more mysterious, uh, fringy type, including dousing rods. Now, those I absolutely... Uh, bring with us and we we never really talked about that before but the dousing rods i, I didn't know you uh you use them or <laughs> yeah yeah well we were kind of throwing the kitchen sink at the al moon lab and so i went and bought yeah. some copper rods and made some and the theory behind it according to henry franzoni the author of spirit of siatko who also came down there at one point had some pretty interesting fringy theories. And one of the things is like, you know, dowsing rods aren't just dowsing rods. They're basically what your intention are rods. So yeah, you have yeah. to set your intention on those rods to find whatever you want, including bodies, jewelry, missing keys. It's kind of like having remote viewing in copper form yeah. in your hand, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. So we yeah, gave it a shot. It's just a tool, uh, a tool for intent. A tool for intent. And so, I don't know if this was uh, one of the things that we did. I just, we did film this. I don't know exactly what happened to say that it was repeatable. Perchance it was repeated twice, but uh, we tried to find a piece of quartz. And the, what we would do is 
we would charge the copper by rubbing a piece of quartz on the copper and I'm like lube it up with copper and then uh Daryl would grab the copper rods and place them in his hand and you got to hold them super still and walk really slow otherwise they're going to do their own thing yeah and uh the goal was to find a piece of quartz hidden in the gravel and you know he'd turn his back and I'd go hide it maybe 25 feet away and it'd be somewhere in that vicinity and then when the things cross the beams cross there's your piece of quartz and i think that happened on two occasions where he was able to find the quartz that was hidden which i thought was pretty interesting but um Mm -hmm. it it needs to be worked a whole lot more i've seen people also make them cross you know it's very easy to make these things cross all you have to do is lean your hands forward slightly and they'll they'll cross you pull them back yeah um so it's it's easy to do, but you know when it comes. But it's to very things, subtle, like it's it's very subtle, so, so subtle. Have yeah. you used them? I have not. No, but yeah, I don't know. I'm interested in making a pair now. And what about a Ouija board? <laughs> uh, have you ever used yeah. that? Yeah, way back in the day, I was probably twelve years old. Oh my 13, gosh, you've been holding 13, out on a Ouija board story? 13 years old. <laughs> uh, it wasn't really, yeah. Um, basically got in trouble with the religious neighbors next door for uh, invite, inviting their younger son. Over. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they. I, I was not allowed to hang out with them after that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. You Ouija influencer, you! If you're not running around with a can of spray paint, paint penises everywhere, you're <laughs> trying to get the poor neighbor kid in trouble. Yeah, mm, uh, I love it. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I don't remember much from that uh, that uh, that Ouija session, but uh, I do know that whatever came through, if something came through, mm-hmm. it was from Al- Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? It spelled all that out. Yeah, Albuquerque. That's no, yeah, that's kind I of. A, I don't even know if I knew how to spell Albuquerque. <laughs> right, yeah. Why would you go for a hard name like that to spell out yeah. Maine? Maine. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know, right? Um, I'd heard Albuquerque mentioned obviously in Looney Tunes cartoons, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't think I ever knew how to spell it. Hmm. Anyway, anyways, yeah. <laughs> Poor Ross never got to hang out. Uh, uh. well when it comes to the theory about this being some kind of time slip and what we're seeing and what they're seeing you know as far as like direct experience with that i can only guess but i've never had any hard direct experience with it to the point where Mm -hmm. i'd say we're both interacting at the same time and both freaked out at the same time from different spots in time right no, and nothing with you. Well, I don't want to get into my time-related experiences just yet. Okay. Um, I've told you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, as far as interacting with the other, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I've had um, experiences like that. I've heard a lot of accounts. Um, and particularly on strange familiars, a lot of flannel man accounts, they seem to be very surprised that they're actually like, whoa, 
Oh, you can see me? Mm-hmm. Oh, I see you. Or mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's this like whole like I'm here, but you can't see me, and all of a sudden you can see me. And I'm like, and, and they're like, Whoa, oh, you can see me. Whoa. And I've heard some of that as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be panel man. Like uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know, fairies, gnomes, whatever. Like there's there's a lot of stories out there that are like these things are like really surprised, like you can go. They're like, whoa, oh, you can see me? Holy shit. <laughs> so maybe it's right. that. Um, you know, I, I'm still, I, I would, I'm actively um, gonna gonna pursue this whole time related uh, concept to uh, to uh, some of these some of these uh, experiences and encounters, and I don't know, just see what I can uncover. Right. Know. Yeah, and, and who knows, it, you know, if there's other people out there that seem that this might jive with, or or you know, uh, fire some little little neurons in their in their in their brain saying, "Oh my God, yeah, yeah, that experience that I had back then, yeah, they were they were surprised to see me, and and oh, maybe that was." So. Right, you know, I had um, you're talking about flannel man. Let's go back to that for a second. I had. Uh, Zelia Edgar on from just another tinfoil hat. It was largely a conversation about Twin Peaks, but she certainly knows a hell of a lot more right. than uh, something about a TV show. And we were talking about the flannel and the tartan, and she brought up a really clever point about uh, the lines on the tartan image being symbolic of, you know, times crossing past one another, timelines oh, crossing. Nice. Yeah, I love that like a uh, fabric of time just like right yes. this yeah. is just a, this is just a symbol for you guys to appreciate and kind of figure out on your own oh that's beautiful mm-hmm. i like that i like yeah that. yeah 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 i i had a flannel little experience um uh, that i uh, just actually just came out on patreon on tim's show um it was weird man what happened with yours <laughs> Um, I was living in Oyster River. This is probably like two and a half years ago. Uh, I had just gotten there, uh, maybe, maybe about a month. I moved in about a month and, um, woke up to this big shadow in, in my bedroom doorway. And immediately I thought, holy shit, there's an intruder. Cause I don't leave my doors unlocked. I, I don't leave, I, I don't leave, I don't lock my doors ever. Um, Probably not a good thing to say on air, but I don't have anything valuable. Don't come to my place and steal shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I woke up and I noticed this huge, like, six-plus-foot-tall, you know, black, shadowy figure in the doorway just looking at me. And I immediately, like, called for my dog. I was like, but I wasn't like, Kirby! I was like, Kirby! Kirby! Kirby, because I knew he was sleeping on the couch in the living room. I was like, oh my shit, he's not responding. Why is he not responding to this? There's someone in the house. Holy shit. So with you know, Kirby was not responding, so I had to do something. So I immediately leap out of bed. I tackle this dude in the hallway, and there's a hammer lying on the ground, and I pick up the hammer and I start <clears throat> beating 
him on the hammer with the hammer on on his back and he's he's not fighting back he's just like cowering cowering and he runs out the mudroom <clears throat> excuse me he runs out the mudroom and out into the uh the carport there and i get out on the carport i've got the hammer in hand i sleep in the buff so i'm standing on the landing you know brandishing this hammer like what the hell are you doing rah, rah. And I love this image. <laughs> How are we not appreciating the visual? <laughs> I had to laugh at it after. Oh my like, god. And <laughs> so I'm on the landing. I was like, what the hell are you doing? And so this this dude is just standing in the carport. He's just standing there looking at me. And there's two other people. So there's a there's a uh a younger female and a younger male. They're all like kind of 18 ish years old like they're they're youths but they're all dressed in flannel different kinds of flannel um offhand right now i can't remember exactly which you know flannels they were wearing but they were all diff wearing different flannels and they were all like grunge style you know um like like how i used to dress back in the back in 1990 you know five or eight and so i'm out there i've got the hammer in hand they're all looking at me and all of a sudden I get this sense of like, like apologeticness, like, Oh, you know, sorry. We didn't really mean to. And I was, and I, and I felt sympathetic. I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sorry for hitting you. Um, I just, I thought you're an intruder. I, you know, and then it kind of morphed into this dream state, this dream awareness and uh, and eventually dissolved and and then i woke up the next day I, I did remember it but um it seemed so real at first that's the thing it seemed it seemed exactly like physical life like like why is my dog not responding oh my god i gotta get out and just like get this mm -hmm. intruder yeah so well anyways. what physical proof did you have that it did happen I didn't have any physical proof. There wasn't even a hammer in my house. <laughs> oh, so as, okay. So as far as I know, like, you know, this all happened with within another state of awareness. Wow. Which is what I think most of these flannel or mm -hmm. all all of them happen in another state of the state of awareness. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few flannel people experiences and other experiences that people absolutely, you know, pound their fists on the table. This was real life. You know, this was physical life. But um, to me, like having that experience of of experiencing so real life you know quote unquote real life and then it morphing into this uh this dream awareness yeah anyways there's my flannel well yeah when you <laughs> when you saw the apples uh plunged in on a stick there's no doubt that that was there's real no doubt life. that was real life yes yeah yes. but as far but, as colin colin's experience it is like how do i don't know I, i'm not colin you know, him getting chased through the woods and, and, yeah, you know, I did hear him screaming and that was real life and I did go after him, but, uh, yeah. How is Colin now? Oh, he's pretty good. He's living down in Victoria. He's just working. Mm -hmm. I think, I think he really just 
he had enough of this kind of stuff. Like him and I hanging out together for a couple of years, we had quite a few experiences and uh, yeah, he's just, he's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this anymore, man. Like I don't understand. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And uh, right. So I, I don't know if, I don't know if he's had any further experience. Right. Yeah. Once in a while you got to take a big step back and sometimes you never take another step forward. So I've seen that before and yeah, but you know, I, I would never go back and change the experiences I've had just because I don't have any answers. It, the The questions oh, are either. so aren't they? I mean, the questions are so cool. Who cares about the yeah. answers? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and that just the the allure of mystery mm-hmm. and the you know, I just ah, oh, it's so fun and exciting just to be in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you uh, walked away from an experience like you had with Colin, did you ever walk away with any uh, theories or any kind of, you know, data on how these things occur? Uh, time slip is obviously one of them that we're both toying with. But for mm-hmm. example, the sounds, the slaps, the hits, the pops. One of the theories I walked away with is that that was some kind of energy passing through matter and the sound was basically like the sonic boom of matter being distorted. Right. Have you ever walked away with anything like that on any of these events that you've had happen? Cause you've had so many and so much time well, I, to I, think I, about it. I did it. tell you on the, on our last talk about mm-hmm. the uh, head headlamp popping. Right. So that was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can definitely apply your theory to that. Like it, you know, mm-hmm. it was right. a sudden, uh, sudden burst of movement yeah. from it. You know, uh, literally an immovable object. Nothing's going to move that object on the table. And yet something moved that object eight inches into the air. And and the, the I guess, the yeah, the energy transfer, you know, um, required to move that eight inches into the air and back down may have produced that pop mm. bang sound, right? I have to suggest something before I forget this. If anybody wants to see a really interesting YouTube channel, type in the YouTube channel Mellow Bird. And bird is spelled with the number one. So Mellow, I believe it's either space or maybe a conjoined bird, B1RD. And it's a 10-year home investigation by a guy that lives in Wales. And it starts off with him kind of catching things out of the corner of his eye with his iPhone or whatever phone he had 10 years ago to basically cameras in every room because the place is so incredibly active and the behavior, uh, the way things are pulled and sucked and moved and thrown in that house are so amazing and i don't think this guy is hoaxing i he's lived there for the last 10 years and um he's just insanely curious about how this he doesn't even have that many subscribers really it's not like he's making a a fortune on sponsorships but um one of the things that uh, he captures is something in the living room getting tossed from the bottom floor 
And as it gets tossed upwards at a 30 degree angle, it stops in the middle of the living room and boomerangs back Whoa. towards the ceiling. What? And it, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. The candles, oh, see that. the candle, they, uh, there's a candle that lights by itself while the toilet paper's flying off the ringer in the bathroom. Uh, straight razors that get opened up and flung. Um, it's it's really interesting. And what it reminded me of was John Hutchinson's work. Now, there's a Canadian you should know. I, I don't do know. not know. Okay, John so Hutchinson. John Hutchinson was the founder of the Hutchinson Effect. And back in the early days of, oh. Art, of Art Bell, oh. you know this name now? I, 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 yes. Oh, no, he lived in Vancouver. Yeah, he's a really yeah. well, really well-known wacky scientist, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. my god, yes. I looked into him about like I don't know, five years ago. I was totally fascinated with his. Yes. Yeah. So remember how things Definitely. kind of moved around in his, his little tiny VHS experience, mm-hmm. and they would mm-hmm. kind of they'd slide maybe a half an inch and then jerk the opposite direction and jerk back, and it was just this herky jerky like we didn't. You know, maybe it was a magnet underneath a hammer pulling it back and Mm -hmm. forth. Well, he had a lot more happen than just moving things. Matter would combine into matter, right? Like wood would mesh into steel and aluminum, and then you would see them chemically start to bond and or uh, bond together. But um, I got to look back into this. Look back into John Hutchinson. By the way, John Hutchinson is in transition. He lives down here near Gold Beach, Gold Beach, Oregon, and wears uh, black stiletto heels and a red dress and a bright red wig. And he still- A bright red wig, you say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He does. There's some YouTube clips of him prancing around his uh, laboratory because he's still doing some of these experiments in full drag which, you know, for visual sake is pretty awe-inspiring. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, check, check out John Hutchinson's latest work. But getting back to this mellow bird, um, mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of the Hutchinson effect, the way these things move. It is almost, and these things fly across the living room, and sometimes they just get um, slightly pulled. Uh, I'm thinking in particular the kitchen, which is a huge place where everything's get torn apart. This poor guy basically goes to work and when he comes home, his, his place is torn apart. Yeah. And um, at one point, all the knives inside the butcher board all come flying out at once. Um, the cabins burst open and things are moving so quickly out of the cabinets that they look like they're shot out of a cannon. And there, there's just no, I can't see any CGI quality to any of this. I mean, you know, this you can was, kind of see. This was way back. This was a while ago, wasn't it? Oh no, he's still doing videos. So now he's got GoPros up. He's got night visions up in the attic. Um, but I mean, the initial, the initial, like. Uh, right, right. But Vancouver even ten. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, with Hutchinson, um, his stuff was dated back to the '80s. This guy's in Wales, uh-huh. so uh, this cat oh, in sorry. Wales. Yeah. yeah. So his stuff. You know, 10, 15 years ago, you could still pull off CGI, but right. even CGI has a quality to it where you can get a, I mean, you've seen all the CGI UFO stuff. Mm-hmm. It's easy to spot. It, it, it's so perfect. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to spot. Yeah. 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 So check that out, man. Will do. 
do. Yeah. Um, wow, that's interesting. Uh, what was I going to say on that? Oh, shit. I don't know. We get kind of, you know, usually around seven o'clock is our uh, YouTube time. And there's a couple that we, we sit back and watch. Um, one of them is uh, a guy named C's Crazy Crossroads. And I haven't really spoken about this guy too much, but he's one of our favorite. And uh, he does these 30-minute alone challenges. And the stuff that happens when he does these challenges, you know, at, the, at some point you're just wondering like, okay, they want the hits, they want the subscriptions. So they're faking these 30-minute alone challenges to be haunted. But I don't know. I tend to think that these guys might be haunted and that they have wow. something following them. Okay. Yeah. So that that's that's what I was just going to bring up uh-huh. uh, when I, when I was going to say, oh, what was I going to ask you? Um, was okay. Yes, they might be haunted, uh, but there's also the other thing that we have to look at is is this us doing it ourselves subconsciously, unconsciously, like telekinesis, like throwing yeah. the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is the thing like scratches or people that get uh, knocked out or get drug or get, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a couple of videos where I've seen these guys get hit in the head by furniture that flew across the room. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe I I used, I'm a nail biter. Like I have literally no nails and I used to wake up. Well, it was probably 2003, 2004 with deep like scratches on my nose and face. And like literally, there's no way that I could have done that myself because I, I don't have any nails. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. And it's you know the scratches too. Um, real quick to talk about the scratches. Um, there's a quality to at least two varieties of being scratched while you're inside of a paranormal environment. Mm-hmm. I've seen them. And uh, on one occasion, it's almost like a very thin, very sharp, straight razor that just barely breaks the skin, tethers itself down at an arced angle. And it's mm-hmm. usually in threes. Now, what the threes uh, mean, I don't know. But the three... Mine were th- always in threes. Yeah, threes are yeah. huge. I mean, that's just a thing. It's just like, yeah. if you're going to get scratched, it's most likely going to be in threes. Yeah. And it's probably going to be kind of looped or arced with a little bit of a twist to it or an angle. And, um, but the ones I've seen barely break the skin or they're really, um, like broad scratches, like someone with really stubby fat fingernails brought three fingers down on you. So I don't know. Mine mine were interesting because it, it, oh, it's it's it doesn't it didn't never looked like a scratch. It looked like someone took this like little peeler out and just like peeled a very thin layer of skin out. Just that dermal layer, huh? Yeah, just that just that very mm. thin dermal layer, mm. like half a millimeter thick and just like straight. And it, it didn't <laughs> didn't look like a scratch. I was always like so perplexed. I was like, w- woke up with these things. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It reminds me of um, 
well, this isn't poltergeist related, but this will point out crazy boys are. I know that uh, back in the uh, 80s, early 90s, when I was going through middle school and high school, one of the things guys would do to uh, get a girl's attention was use a pencil eraser on their arm to spell their name out so they would scab up <laughs> and scratch that first layer and how demented and twisted <laughs> that that really sounds you can oh my god he loves me so much he scratched his skin off oh, it's, it's gonna be a healthy choice <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's good future with that <laughs> right 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 yeah um can we take a uh well, five minute break there actually you know what i think we should uh i think i get i probably need to go and uh back in the house and take care of a few things but um sure yeah always a pleasure talking to you alex and um you too i've got a half a can of irish death here i'm going to try to kill before the end of the night it'll probably take me the rest of the night to get to it but uh yeah man hey thank you for the uh gift on the way too oh yeah yeah i'm uh i'm very stoked to see if uh there's any uh uh, alter interaction with that. Uh, I'm, sure alter. You, I'm sure you'll let me know. Absolutely, bro. Okay, yeah. man. Um, go take care of what you need to take care of, and uh, I will talk to you soon, dude. All right. Cheers, man. All right. Cheers. All right. So that was Alex up north again, driftedcreations.com. And well, it's not a dot com. You got to go to his Facebook page and find all his. I bet if you typed it in Google, Alex Whitcomb, uh, you'll find Drifted Creations as well. Just get in there and look at uh, his amazing stuff. And he's working on some pretty incredible projects, even like a Drifted Volkswagen Beetle. So uh, make sure you check that out. Okay, thanks again to the patrons at uh, patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio who, man... You guys are always coming through. That uh, helps out. I can't even tell you. Um, I really appreciate it. So, again, if you can, check it out. Also, the merchandise stuff. Go to strangebowradio.com. We got some awesome new merchandise on there that people ordered, including socks. Yeah, you got to check out the uh, the gear at strangebowradio.com. And there's been uh, some people sending me photos of the stuff that they've gotten. It looks cozy and awesome to me, so I'm all into it. I'm just waiting to, to get enough sales that we can actually put beanies and hats. So we have to sell more to list those with this website. So I'll see if I can work around that somehow. Also, March 7th, save the date. Uh, come to Manresa Castle in Port Townsend, Washington. Book a room, hang out. Me and Marcia K. Moore, contributor of Ancient Aliens, are going to be there. You should be there, too. Uh, that's going to be from 7 or 6 to 9 p.m. So if you're in the PNW, come on up. Port Townsend, Washington, Manresa Castle. Me and Marcia came more talking about the elongated skulls, or what she calls the long heads. And you can go to CMR Studios and check out that stuff. And again, if you wear a t-shirt, a Strange Brow Radio t-shirt, you'll be entered in a raffle for one of these wood watchers. And um, I explained what those were in the last episode. So... They're uh, super cool, hand-carved uh, faces. We're doing fa- a lot of face creations going around here. It's like a bad Nicolas Cage and John Travolta movie. All right, that's the show, everybody. Um, I'm headed out of town for a little while. 
Hopefully I have some exciting stuff to share with you uh, when I get back. And next week, a heck of an amazing interview. I'm just going to go and give you a teaser. What about ancient pyramids in the Pacific Northwest? Super excited to talk about that. So don't uh, go anywhere. And uh, thanks for subscribing. And we will always see you in the trees. Thank you.